The first reading is Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out thy libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The Gospel reading is Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So may I speak in the name of the Lord, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, do please be seated. I begin with a very famous quote. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ's suffering, which every man must experience 
is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Those are the words, of course, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And they came to mind as I was preparing these words from Luke 9, which are not the easiest, and much has been written and discussed and debated about them. But nevertheless, I think their key principles are reasonably plain. The context is significant. Jesus is calling disciples to himself, and he is, in a sense, passing on his earthly ministry. We have just discovered, as Luke puts it, that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. This is, if you like, now the final leg of his earthly ministry, and he is looking to his death, but of course beyond his death, to inheriting his kingdom. It is not a season to call down fire, Jesus says to his disciples, rather this is the season of salvation. This is the time to summon people to repentance and faith. And if we're going to be a part of that community which is involved in the Lord Jesus' work of summoning people to repentance and faith, of living in the kingdom of God and living out the principles and the priorities of the kingdom of God, then our old way of life must die and a new one patterned on Christ begins. And it is a way of life, Jesus says, in his three encounters with these three would-be followers, three would-be disciples, a way of life which, first of all, relativizes any pursuit of earthly comfort. We know that Jesus sat lightly, of course, to material comforts, to worldly securities. His was an itinerant ministry, essentially moving from town to town, and now even more so as he sets his face towards Jerusalem. And we need to say immediately, of course, that our commitment to our role in establishing God's kingdom will look different to his immediate followers, the immediate context. He's about to gather 72 disciples and send them out on ministry, as you can see in Luke chapter 10. Our context is different, but I think the point remains I don't think this is a call to homelessness. In fact, I know it isn't from the rest of the New Testament. But I think it is a challenge to not make ourselves at home here. Uh, One thinks of the words of Peter writing to the Christian community. Uh, He says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. And for me, that verse resonates with what Jesus is saying here. Followers of Jesus are foreigners and exiles even in their home country. We live here, uh, but this world and its ways are not our home. We are members of a different kingdom, citizens of heaven. The way home is the way of the cross. It was for Jesus, and it will be in some form for us. Uh, Jesus, again, is not saying, I think we are to renounce comfort, Uh, and the enjoyment of the good things of this world. They're God's gifts to us to be received with joy and with gratitude. But it is, I think, to relativize them. Uh, It is to remove them from the driving seat 
It is to be aware of comfort's power to take center stage, to become that which we could not do without, to shape our life uh, in ways that are more profound than Christ. That very challenging um, quote from C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters. Do you remember when he says this? Uh, the senior devil says it to the younger devil. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. Jesus, I think, wants to uh, relativize our pursuit of comfort. Secondly, he wants to reorder our concerns. Uh, A lot has been said on this, and exactly what the man means when he says, may I bury my father? Is his father already dead? It would be strange if he was out trying to meet Jesus if his father was already dead. Some think that his father is still alive and well, and he's saying, let me go and live with my father until he dies, and I receive my inheritance, and then I'll come and follow you. Again, much has been written, but I think the point here is don't prioritize burying the dead when the opportunity arises to raise the dead, uh, which is what Jesus, of course, is offering the man. So this is not a call to abandon our good and earthly commitments. Uh, Rather, it's a call to assess them in the wake of our calling. Uh, This man received a particular calling, an immediate task to to join Jesus' preaching team, I think, Whatever his reasons, it is clear that his uh, reticence is ill-judged. Again, I was struck by Jesus' words, uh, don't submit to the world's agenda, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. I think this is a reminder that ours is to be a life invested in that which is eternal and not that which is passing away. Uh, One uh, writer uh, helpfully uh, said this, that Jesus' followers will do things that others think illogical. Uh, We will give time. uh, We will give money. We will give uh, emotional resources, physical resources, uh, to things that others would ignore. And we will do so because we are seeking first his kingdom and not our own. So the challenge here is to Uh, reassess uh, and reprioritize our concerns. And thirdly, it's a call to resolute commitment. It seems when Jesus says to anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, it's quoting a proverb. It seems to be an ancient proverb, the idea being that if you were going to plow in a straight line, you had to look at a point, fixed point straight ahead of you. If you look back, your plow would, would veer to the left or to the right. You wouldn't plow a straight furrow. And so Jesus here is saying, I think that if we're going to uh, be those who seek first God's kingdom, if we're going to be those uh, who walk at the way of Christ, then we need to have our eyes fixed on what is ahead, uh, our eyes fixed on Jesus. And in the context, I think, of this part of Luke, it's our eyes fixed on the eternal kingdom that awaits us, because I believe that's what Jesus' eyes are fixed on as he sets his face to Jerusalem. So the challenge of faith is to fix our eyes on heaven, which is a challenge, isn't it? to fix our eyes on that which is eternal, to view ourselves there, to view all of life in the context and perspective of eternity because the world around us is constantly dragging our eyes down to the floor. Uh, That which is um, immediate and seemingly urgent and so tangible, uh, constantly dragging our eyes 
And the call of faith is the call to not ignore, of course, the things of the world, but to view the things of the world through eyes that are fixed on our eternal inheritance. How do we do all of this? How do we uh, grow this in us? Well, I think we'll only do this as uh, God and his future fill our vision, which is why I chose Psalm 16 to go with Luke 9. It's the lectionary reading, uh, or one of the lectionary readings, and I thought it went so well with Jesus' call at the end of Luke 9 to these would-be disciples. I think it's only as we say, you are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing, that we're able to uh, relativize pursuit of earthly comforts, that we're able to reorder our earthly concerns, that we're able to commit resolutely uh, to the way of Christ. It's only when we know that he makes known to us the path of life and he will fill us with joy in his presence, with eternal pleasures at his right hand. That is what we fix our eyes on as we seek to plow uh, a straight furrow, as it were, uh, for the Lord Jesus. Uh, I finish with uh, these words of uh, Bonhoeffer, uh, which I think are fitting. The call of Christ is uh, costly because it costs a man his life. But it is gracious because it gives a man the only true life. Lord, we thank you for these words and uh, even those aspects of them that we do not understand. We lay before you and ask for your ongoing wisdom and enlightenment. But that which we do, that call, that commitment to fix our eyes on you, uh, to prioritize uh, our life through uh, the lens and the perspective of your calling to seek uh, your kingdom first and that eternal perspective into which you draw us. I pray that you would lay these things on our hearts and uh, work in our minds we might understand what that means uh, for each of us in our daily lives in the days to come. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.